Hi everybody, this is God Sad. I had not planned on doing a sad truth clip today because it is Father's Day on a Sunday. Uh, but last night, as some of you may have witnessed, Twitter was burning with exchanges as relating to the uh, recent conversation that Joe Rogan had with uh, Robert uh, F. Kennedy Jr., uh, regarding, uh, you know, the, the vaccines, the COVID vaccines and so on. I haven't watched the clip so I, or the chat, so I can't speak to its content. And uh, then apparently Peter Hotez, who's a uh, uh, virus uh, scientist, I think he's a virologist or maybe a vaccinologist. I'm not sure exactly what his official designation is. But he's also been on Joe Rogan, and he had been stating things like, oh, you know, these neo-fascists engaging in this anti-science and so on. And so Joe got upset and said, hey, I will offer, I think the original offer was $100,000 uh, of, of charity of your choosing if you come on my show and debate uh, RFK Jr., and then that number was upped by, uh, I think he's a hedge hedge fund guy, Bill Ackerman. And I can't confirm this, but I think I heard that last time it was up to $1.5 million. And I tried to weigh in in a small way on a Saturday evening. And what I quickly found out is that both sides of the issue will uh, get very angry at you if you don't fully agree with them. I was just calling for some temperance. I was arguing that, you know, it might well be that Maybe Peter Hotis is wrong on some things, and he maybe he didn't exhibit epistemic humility, uh, and and that might be true without him being, you know, a demonic big pharma shill and so on. And no, it was either I'm a monster for arguing that, uh, you know, we should show temperance, one way or the other, uh, and both camps agreed that the other camp is demonic, and there is no other possible uh, reality of the world, which exactly speaks to my point. And believe me, it's not that I'm, uh, you know, the, oh, let's all get along, kumbaya, love conquers all. It's that when it comes to complex issues, it usually requires sober minds. It requires evidence-based thinking. So let's, let me step back here and offer some ways by which we can adjudicate these types of debates. Uh, and of course, there's nothing wrong with going on a show to debate these issues, especially, you know, as I mentioned on Twitter, a show like uh, Joe Rogan's in terms of its reach is truly a gigantic public platform. And given that this issue is one that is of such, uh, you know, clear public policy implications, I think, you know, the, the, the public at large would, would benefit greatly from such a uh, discussion. Uh, now, who should hold the discussion is one thing that we can discuss. What is the What are the issues to be debated is fundamental to holding such a uh, debate for it to be effective. So if you start mixing, for example, moral issues, ethical issues, public policy issues, those might be very, very different than the a specific, narrow, scientific question. Uh, did taking the vaccine reduce the likelihood of mortality? Yes or no, show the evidence. Did the vaccine cause 
an increase in certain heart conditions. Yes or no, show the exact evidence. Those are different from uh, should people have body autonomy even when it comes to a contagious disease or not. Uh, and as I said, it doesn't help if you start then levying accusations that one camp is conspiratorial, nut jobs, the other camp are nothing but demonic uh, pharma, big pharma shills and so on. That's all I was saying. But now let's talk about the specifics of how would you go about adjudicating such a uh, issue in science. I explain this in chapter seven of the parasitic mind when I talk about how to seek truth. And I basically first explain that one of the ways that you try to get a sense of uh, the state of a particular scientific uh, literature stream is to do a literature review, right? So a literature review says, okay, he, you know, here is what's been done on the effects of drinking coffee on uh, asthma symptoms. And then you cite a whole bunch of papers. Now, what that would do is allow someone reading your paper to get a, a snapshot picture of the totality of relevant studies that have been conducted on that very specific issue. Does the consumption of as, uh, coffee affect the, the, the severity of symptoms of asthma? Notice how it's a very, very tight and narrow question that is being debated. So you can do a literature review. Now, over the past, uh, I would say, three decades, we've been able to offer a greater sense of uh, quantifiable rigor to literature reviews by doing what are called meta-analyses. So for those of you who don't know what a meta-analysis is, this is where you take a whole bunch of studies that should be included in your meta-analysis. Uh, so for example, you're, you're going to look at all studies conducted only on adults who uh, do not suffer from a uh, chronic disease uh, and who who were participants in a study on the effects of coffee consumption on asthma uh, symptom severity. And therefore, you might find that there are 73 such studies that meet your inclusion criterion. And therefore, you bring them into the thing. And you then conduct a statistical analysis on the totality of those studies, those 73 studies that were conducted by different these are different papers that were published. And in many cases, you might include papers that have not yet been published. You're putting them into one mega soup, okay, so that you now have a meta-analysis. It's the quantifiable measure that says, so what's the bottom line? Now, you could have just done a count. When you did the literature review, you could have said, out of the 15 studies that I found, eight found that coffee consumption reduces uh, asthma symptoms. Three studies found no relationship and the rest of the studies found uh, a negative relationship. But that wouldn't capture the fact that some of the studies might have had a hugely different sample size, right? The studies that found that there is a positive correlation between drinking coffee and uh, asthma severity might have been much larger studies. So what a meta-analysis does is it 
takes all of these factors into account, puts it all into one big statistical soup, and comes out with a bottom line number. So net result, there's a moderate effect of that we can conclude so far from all the literature that drinking coffee reduces asthma symptoms. So if so, and then the the the, the method that I was explaining in great detail in chapter seven of the parasitic mind is what I call nomological networks of cumulative evidence. This is when you are trying to demonstrate the veracity of a particular phenomenon and you do so. This is much bigger than a literature review. It's much bigger than a meta-analysis because it's basically saying, what is all the data that I can find from across cultures, from across time periods, from across species, from across methodologies, from across uh, dependent measures collected uh, that would point to that phenomenon being veridical. And so I demonstrated it, for example, for the evolutionary preference for the hourglass figure that men hold towards women's body types. I described it when it came to the sex specificity of toy preferences. I've described it in other contexts in a 2017 uh, paper that I published in one of the major uh, journals in the field. Uh, I describe it in the parasitic mind when I'm trying to answer, is Islam a religion of peace or not? And so what you're basically saying is, what would all the data need to be in order for me to convince even my staunchest detractors of the veracity of my position. So I think that Peter Hotez should go on a show like Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan's. And whether RFK is there or whether another scientist who is on the opposing side of Peter Hotez is there, uh, I, I think that might work better because then people won't say, oh, it's just a a layperson versus uh, Hotez, and it might, the, the, the structure of the debate might be that they start talking past each other. But if you have a very, very tight question that you're trying to debate, and the rules of evidence are very clear, okay, it, it, I'm not sure that you could develop a nomological network of cumulative evidence to uh, adjudicate any of the issues relating to this COVID vaccine, because you don't have cross-cultural, well, I guess you do have cross-cultural data, but you may not have cross-temporal data. You're certainly not sure if you have cross-species data. In any case, even if you didn't have the ability to build a nomological network of cumulative evidence to adjudicate between the pro-Hotez and anti-Hotez camps, you certainly can present a, all of the meta-analyses that have been done Again, on a specific issue, don't mix moral, ethical, public policy issues with scientific issues. So that all that Joe would do is he would be serving as the person who says, okay, pro-Hotes camp, present your scientific evidence in support of A causes B. Anti-Hotes camp, show the opposing evidence, right? If... That's how that debate were conducted. I think that that would be wonderful because number one, it would teach the the public how to construct evidence-based arguments. So that would be an, a really important epistemological tool. And it would allow people to develop the critical thinking 
and emotional restraint that is required for such discussions, right? So that's all that I was, I mean, in today's clip here, I'm providing you with the, the background of what I was trying to say yesterday on Twitter. But it's just amazing. I had a guy who has been following me for a very long time unfollow me because the, the mere idea of me suggesting that Hotez should go on Joe Rogan really upset him because he's super pro-vaccine. And so his view is, you know, just like you don't like people to denigrate evolutionary psychology as a valid scientific framework, you should also not want people to be debating whether vaccines work or not. I don't think people are debating that, right? It's not that those who are arguing against some of the Hotez positions are saying that we are, we, we think that science is the work of the devil and we think that all vaccines are nonsense. Again, temperance, nuance, critical thinking. So where do I stand on this? Well, here's some epistemic humility. I have not done the requisite analysis of the scientific literature to allow me to adjudicate this issue. And by the way, I don't know what this issue is because it's not clear what it is that we are exactly debating. People talk one past one another. You know, should children have been forced to be masked? That's a different issue, completely different from does the vaccine stop the spread from person to person? So decide on the exact issues to be debated. Decide on the exact standards of evidentiary threshold that you must reach in order to win the argument. And let's have at it. If Joe wants to host that debate, great. I certainly have the ability uh, to do so. I'm happy to also host it, not because I'm trying to infuse myself in this debate, but because I think it takes someone that has the scientific uh, discipline to keep things on track. Uh, so, you know, I don't think it's right that people are now going to Peter Hotis's house as he's trying to leave and hounding him. That's exactly the same type of behavior as when you get upset because, you know, uh, the progressive types are going after, you know, some conservative uh, justice when, uh, you know, he's leaving his home. There is decorum, there is protocol, there is etiquette, there is evidentiary standards and science that we could all, all adhere to. I understand that this is a you know, very heated topic and people were writing to me, well, you didn't lose a, a grandfather to this evil demonic vaccine. So F off, Gatsad, you're an asshole. And then the exact, the other camp would propose a similar type of hatred for exact opposite position, which exactly speaks to my point. I, I don't have a vest, vested interest. I'm, I would love to see this debate because I've had people on my show and I, I have very good friends who are on both sides of this issue and they're experts, right? I've had Scott Atlas on, on my show. He's a guy who was heading the national task COVID task force of President uh, Trump. I've had Jay Bhattacharya, who's also from Stanford, who's an incredible academic who... Uh, you know, did not agree with any of the policies of COVID. Uh, I've had Paul Offit, who's a very well-known uh, virologist. I've had all sorts of people, all of whom have, you know, 
what appear to be very interesting and sober positions. In many cases, they disagree with each other. So it serves no purpose to constantly be levying an all or nothing kind of accusation. Peter Hotez is a spotless, unblemished science truth teller. And if you say anything against him, you're an asshole who should be, you know, excised from the public square or the opposite. Peter Hotez is a demonic big pharma shill who only cares about lining his fat pockets and he's willing to do anything and say anything. My feeling is, I don't know Hotez uh, or any of these, many of the people on both sides. And my feeling is that the truth is probably somewhere in, in the middle. I think that uh, the vanity of people and pride has not allowed many of the super pro COVID vaccine people to step back and say, you know, I think we we oversold the bill of goods. I think we were wrong on many things. And so they doubled down. They start accusing anybody who has any questions of being science deniers and neo-fascists. That kind of language then creates an opposite reaction from the other camp. And here we go with the endless hurling of insults. So again, to conclude, the right way to approach this is define in a very, very structured manner what the exact questions that are being debated and therefore both camps can present only the scientific evidence in support of their positions and then let's see what happens take care everybody cheers